Welcome to today's Community Cast. My name is Matt Morgan. I'm the pastor at Community Brookside, a new church plant in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We are so blessed by your presence, and we hope that today's content will bring you joy. There was a stressed out woman, and that stressed out woman began tailgating a guy as they drove along. Now, as this man who was driving in front of her slowed down at a yellow light as he was preparing to stop, she gestured angrily. Many of us have been in this position where we've seen the person in our rearview mirror freaking out because we might not be doing exactly what they want us to do. But it was clear that this woman was in a hurry, and she didn't appreciate the fact that this guy was slowing down even though it was lawful. While she was thus engaged... As they began to stop, she all of a sudden heard a tapping on her window. And she looked over to her left and saw a policeman standing there. And he ordered her to get out of the car. And then she promptly was thrown into handcuffs and arrested and taken to the police station and put in a holding cell. And by sale, I mean cell. Sometime later, the policeman returned saying, I, I am so, so sorry. Ma'am, I, I was confused. Uh, apparently, when I pulled up behind you and I saw your What Would Jesus Do sticker and saw the fish emblem on the back of your car and saw the, the Follow Me to Church bumper sticker, I just figured your car must have been stolen. So while this story is a bit of a joke, I fully believe that the ministry of every single Christian begins with our personal witness. Our witness is actually something that is so important to our denomination that as you decide if you want to become a United Methodist person, that there are vows of membership, and in those vows, we, we basically vow to faithfully participate in the ministries of the local church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and the newest added one is witness, and I believe it was 2008 that was added to our book of discipline. Our prayers, our presence, our service, our witness, wait, our prayers, our presence, our gifts, service, and witness. So this means that we as United Methodists expect our people, our congregations, to pray for our church, to tithe, to serve as ushers, greeters, set up and tear down. And there's a myriad of other things that are necessary to get our church up and going, and we need people to serve in those capacities. But we also believe that it's necessary for our congregations to live out their faith every single day that they live. In this sermon series, Extraordinary Nobodies, we have talked a lot about how any single person can do incredible things. God equips and enables all of us to do great things with the power and strength of the Holy Spirit. God uses normal people to do incredible things. Uh, We've talked about Jacob being a trickster and how he shifted his whole personality and became Israel when God had seen that he had grown up and he had wrestled with God and man and, and had overcome. We talked about Rahab the prostitute. We talked about Esther who was in the right place at the right time with the right gifts to save all of her Jewish friends and family. And this week I want to take a look at some stories in a book of the Bible called Daniel that speak to how important our personal witness is. To set the stage a little bit, uh, after King David and, and then after his son Solomon reigned in Jerusalem as king of all the Jews, Uh, there was a split in the kingdom and there was the northern kingdom of Judah and the southern kingdom of Israel. And at this point in the lives of the the Israelite people, the northern kingdom of Judah was conquered by the Babylonian empire around the year 587 BC. 
And many of the nobles and the high-ranking officials, uh, they were dispersed throughout the Babylonian Empire. It was called the Babylonian Exile. It just so happened that Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, wanted to include some of the young Hebrew men in his court. And so he wanted to have some of them trained and added as nobles to become advisors to the king. Now, this is kind of where we pick up in the book of Daniel, which is in the Old Testament, as I mentioned, and it's also located in the book of the prophets or in, in the section where, where it's near the, called, what's called the books of the prophets. Let's read some of the story together, and you can follow along on your screen. It comes from us, or from the book of Daniel, chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, and it kind of helps us set the stage. And here's what it says for us this morning. It says, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them to a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after, they were, after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishal, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names to Daniel, the name Bel Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishal, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. So the book of Daniel relates that these four men were smart and had great understanding, right? These men were chosen from among the Hebrew people to go into the service of King Nebuchadnezzar after they had completed three full years of training. They would need to know the language, the customs, the laws. They would need to know how to speak to the king, the rituals. They would need to know the different gods of the different you know, peoples throughout the empire. They would need to know the ins and outs of what the Babylonian empire was. Well, during this three-year onboarding process, before these men could go into full service of the king, they had begun to prove how useful they were, how strong they were, and how capable they were. The most important thing that happened during this point, or up to this point, was that Daniel became known for his interpretation or his ability to interpret dreams that the king had. So one night, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream in the second year of his reign, and that dream troubled him. And he asked all of the wise men throughout all the Babylonian empire to come to him, and he wanted them to give him an interpretation of what his dream meant. But there was a catch. See, now, in the past there were some people who had uh, pretended to know what the dreams meant. And so they had given false interpretations of dreams. And so in order to combat this, the king says, listen, I want you to interpret my dream, but I want you to tell me what my dream was first and then interpret it for me. That was the only way that he could know that he was getting a, a real interpretation of the dream. And so all of the nobles and all of the king's men, none of them, could ever do that. And they came to the king and they said, listen, your highness, there's no way that no one on earth could do what you're asking us to do. And the king got really upset. And so he basically put out a decree. And the decree was that he was so mad at the royal assistants and the astrologers and the people who were seers that he was going to, throughout the entire kingdom, kill them. All of the nobles, 
all of the smart people, all of the seers, all of the astrologers. He was so angry that none of them could do what he asked that he was going to have them all killed. He didn't want any fake interpretations. And so he wanted to make sure that he got what he needed. And the problem was that there was no one in the kingdom who could do this. But Daniel says, wait a minute. King, before you go and kill everybody, let me go home and I'll pray to God that God will deliver to me an interpretation of your dream and your dream. And then I'll come back to you. And so the king reluctantly said, all right, tomorrow. And it just so happened that that night, Daniel had a vision from God. The next day, Daniel explained the king's dream and the meaning to him, and the king relented of his murderous decree. Daniel gave credit for the interpretation and the deliverance of the dream to God. And the king responded, according to the book of Daniel, like this in Daniel chapter 2, verses 46 through 49. It says, then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate, prostrate excuse me, before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all of its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. See, in this moment, Daniel could have like taken all of the credit and all of the glory and all of the honor for interpreting the dream for himself because he was the one who was verbally able to deliver that to the king. He knew what the, the dream was. He was able to tell the, the king what the dream was about and then was able to bring an interpretation and so the king could have just leaped glory upon glory on top of Daniel, but Daniel stopped and said, wait, no, it's not just me. I couldn't have done this without God. Daniel's actions planted seeds in the king that we will see grow in the very next chapter in the book of Daniel through further actions of both Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God used Daniel to plant seeds that we're eventually going to grow and become something so much greater. In Daniel chapter 3, we're going to read that whole chapter together because it's so important for us to get the full context of what God is doing through Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In verse 1, it says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide, and he set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image that he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial, or provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, Nations and people of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, 
As soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold, and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. There are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zithers, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into a blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the, for the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. He commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, they fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement. And he asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? Well, they replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace, and he shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire in the satraps. Prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than to serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. 
So this is an incredible story of faith. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego looked at the, at the king right in his face and he said, our God is going to defend us. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down to any golden images. We're not going to praise any other gods. Our God is the God of all. Oftentimes, when we as human people suffer, we often develop a weak faith, right? Our faith is sure, and it's steady, and it's strong, kind of as long as everything looks good, and our outlook is fine, and we're not being challenged or pushed, and we're not walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But the moment things begin to get hard, sometimes our faith begins falling apart. We no longer express that deep faith that we have in our God and that devotion that we've said that we've had when things were going smoother. Do you agree? I mean, it's really easy for me to praise God when, and rely on Him and in the moments where I'm, you know, everything is functioning fine in my life, right? As I drive my car home from my job to my house to eat dinner with my family in my air-conditioned home, I can easily love God in those moments. However, there are people in this world who don't have the same things that I do. They don't have it as easy. They don't have the, the comforts that I have. And their faith is equally as strong as mine. But when my life takes a turn and begins to look harder, often in those moments, I forget to rely on God and sometimes just bemoan my fate, right? I complain about what's happening. So in this moment in the story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego tell the king of the entire Babylonian empire that they serve a god way bigger than a 60-cubit-foot chunk of gold. They serve a living god that will either deliver them from the king's hand, or maybe he won't. But either way, they knew that their god is faithful in God's own way, and they knew to trust God in that time. They remained faithful, even when it got hard, even when they faced death, they were faithful. And their faith made Nebuchadnezzar furious, right? And he made the, the furnace not just a normal burning hot furnace, it was seven times hotter than it normally would have been. So hot that the men accompanying Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the guys who had tied them up and were going to throw them in the fire, as soon as they got close enough to it to throw the men in, they actually died and so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fell into the fire. The king was really, really mad. The crazy thing was, it seemed in that moment that there was somebody else in the fire with these three men. The king looked, and it, he, were, there, were there three guys? I, I, it looks like there's a fourth. I, how is there a... Can you imagine looking in and seeing like an angel in real life, protecting Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The king, in that moment, recognized that God was doing something incredible. And he was delivering, actively delivering Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego right there in front of his eyes. And so he called for them to come out of the furnace. And they just walked out. Just walked out. Scripture tells us they weren't burnt. Their hair wasn't singed. Their clothes weren't on fire. And they didn't even smell like smoke. 
In that moment, Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation and language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be cut into pieces and their houses will be turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save in this way. It's really interesting that we see the witness of Daniel who interpreted, delivered a dream and then delivered its meaning to the king when he offered the, uh, the responsibility of that interpretation to God, rather than taking credit himself, he planted seeds in the king's life. And now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they stood in front of the king and they said, no, I'm not going to praise your God. And even though the king was angry, even though the king was burning with rage, when God delivered them from death, he had now seen two miraculous encounters that just everyday normal people that he had pulled out of a land somewhere kind of west of the Babylonian empire. He pulled them out of their homeland and he puts them into court. It just so happens that God used those four men, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to show the king of the biggest empire in the world at the time, a God who is even bigger. The witness of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego made the king of an empire recognize the praiseworthiness of God. This king made then a ruling that no one was able to speak ill against the God of the Hebrews. And so this is kind of a huge thing because during this period of time, like the Babylonian empire was known to be a pretty welcoming empire. They took a lot of traditions and uh, religions and they kind of combined them into this kind of... uh, empire-wide worship of multiple gods. They, they expected people to worship their own gods, but they also wanted the king to be worshipped. And the king expected to be worshipped above all other things. The king had come from a tradition where he was the most important, and in this time, he was challenged. And in this time, he was proven that God is even mightier and the king of the world. For the Babylonian king to recognize and share deity with another god was relatively common, but for him to decree that no one could speak ill against the Hebrew god really shows how much he began to believe in God. For him to say that there was a declaration of, of, that no one of, of any people in any language could ever say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, or Abednego or they will be cut into pieces, or their houses turned into rubble. Like, that's, that's a big deal. Really, this, this was, means that he was beginning to understand that the God of the Israelites was almighty and worthy to be praised. And it was because of the steadfast example of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that prompted the king to develop a faith in a God that saves The miracle of being delivered from fire was a part of a larger piece of God's story. The steadfast faithfulness of these three Jewish men helped Nebuchadnezzar to really see who God was. Their example, their witness was shown through their faithful actions. Even in the midst of death, even in the face of destruction and burning alive, 
They said, no God is worthy to be praised, but our God. Friends, I believe that God wants to use you and I just like he used those three men. I believe that the most important things that we can say about our faith aren't things that we can speak out of our mouths, but instead through our actions. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, each one of us can choose to stand firm in our faith even when it gets hard. And when we do this, we will be able to show the world exactly how great our God is. Our example, our witness, our testimony is so important to the world. Because without it, the, God can't, the, the, the people can't see how big God is. It's our responsibility, you and I as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, to be his examples in the world right now to the people who no longer have the ability to see who Jesus is because his, his body, his physical presence is no longer here. The only presence that Jesus has right now is through you and through me. So today I want to challenge each of us to live our faith out loud. I want each of us to show the world what it is that we believe through how we treat one another and how we love our neighbors. I want to challenge each of us to tell the story of Jesus through our love of our neighbors. So this week and always, let our lives be our witness and let that witness show the world who God is. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on today's Community Cast. We hope that you were blessed by today's conversation. If you'd like to know more about Community Brookside, please feel free to visit us at our website, communitybrookside.com, or find us on your favorite social media outlet. We hope to hear from you soon. Be blessed.